We are in week number three in our summer series on prayer. First week, we asked the question, what if prayer at core is not about asking God for stuff? What if that's really not the core reason, that's not really what prayer is about? What if instead, the purpose of prayer is to increase our relationship with the Lord, to deepen our friendship, to deepen our intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ? What if that's the real purpose behind prayer? And we saw that demonstrated in the prayer life of Jesus. We saw that demonstrated in the Gospel of Luke as we saw Jesus continually going to the Father in prayer. Last week, we we asked another question. Uh, What if the things we ask God to do for us as we pray to him What if his answers back are unexpected? What if it's not what I was really wanting him to do? What if it's really not what I was expecting him to do? Or if we're honest, what if it's really not what I want him to do? Lord, would you please heal my grandpa? Lord, uh, could you help me get a promotion at work? We really could use that that money. Uh, Could you help me do whatever it takes on my end to see that my prodigal child comes home to you. Lord, I've got this entangling, besetting pet sin that seems to keep running and ruining and destroying my life. Would you help me to know how to kill this entangling, besetting pet sin? What if God's powerful and effective answers to our prayer requests are way different than what we're expecting or asking him for. And we discovered last week that quite often the way the Lord answers our prayers, they're powerful, they're effective, but they're really different than what we were wanting or expecting. Today, we're going to ask another question. What if the reason we don't see more answers to our prayers is because we quit praying way too easily? What if the reason that God isn't answering powerfully and effectively is because we quit praying about issues far too quickly? We've just began to cry out, and now we think, well, I think the answer must be no. And in our impatience, we assume that I should just quit, and we don't just keep bringing them before the Lord. When actually the Lord is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Because when you keep on asking and seeking and knocking, listen, when we just keep going with matters that are on our hearts before the Lord, over time, are you ready? Our relationship with the Lord grows and deepens and gets stronger. Because as we just hang in there, and and I'm just going to keep on asking and seeking and knocking, it's amazing over time that intimacy becomes stronger between us and the one we're talking with in prayer. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Or, somebody pointed this out, or would you please say it's okay? If If you're a phone Bible person, anybody phone Bible person? It's okay, right? That's your Bible, right? Uh, I say, where's your Bible? And they hold up the phone. 
That's kind of new, but it, it works, right? So uh, locate your phone or your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 1, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. Hey, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? It seems like one of them asked, and the rest of them agree, and we're going to stand now, if you're able, and we're going to read out loud the answer, the answers that Jesus gives them. How should we pray? Here's how the Lord Jesus responds to his disciples. Here's how the Lord Jesus responds to us, church at Walloon. This is how we should pray. Read with me, please. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are above all and know all and see all, and yet, being so awesome, you also are personal. And you care about each and every individual standing, and even those who can't stand. You care specifically, personally, and love each of us here that are here in your church today. Thank you for that. Thank you for not being a distant and uncaring father. We recognize, like we just read, that you are closer and more loving than the very best heavenly, very best earthly fathers that we've ever seen here on earth. Lord, I'm asking, just like the disciples asked in Luke chapter 11, that you might today, through your inspired book, teach us to pray. Lord, there's a lot on our minds and our hearts. Got a busy week we just concluded, and I, I know there's lots of things for us to look forward to and to think about in this week ahead. 
But would you help us to concentrate and focus even right now on your inspired instruction manual for our lives? We really need to hear from you. And I'm praying that uh, these words that you got Dr. Luke to write down exactly as needed would come and speak and touch and motivate. Lord, the very last thing that most of us need here today is more information, more facts to just shove into our brain about prayer. Lord, instead, I'm asking that you might motivate us to actually pray. Would you, uh, through the power of your book and the power of your spirit, motivate us to action today? We ask all of these things in the mighty and the powerful and the awesome name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said in one unified, loud voice, you can be seated. About a month ago, after the first service, uh, a woman I hadn't seen in probably 10, 12, maybe 15 years came up to me after church and said hello, and she wanted to just reconnect and tell me about what's going on in her life since she's moved away many years ago from the area. One thing she shared with me that stuck is she said, did you hear that my mother died? And I said, no, I didn't hear that. I'm so sorry. And she said to me, I want to, I want to share something about what happened with me and my mom. She died of cancer, but in the final months of her life, I got to care for her, she said, and I got to be with her a lot, a lot more than I had been with her in many, many years. And in the final months of her life, she gave her life to Jesus, Pastor Chuck, and she wanted me to read the Bible to her, and she wanted me to pray with her, and all of that happened in the last few months of her life. And then she said, you know, Pastor Jeff, I've been praying for my mom regularly for her salvation for over 50 years. For over, ever since I accepted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, the Lord put it on my heart. I just, like, daily prayed for my mom's salvation. And with a great big smile, she says, and after 50 years of praying for my mom, and then she added, an alcoholic, who I thought, Okay, I'm just going to keep praying. She finally said yes to Jesus and the cross. Could the reason we don't hear more answers to prayer like this be because we quit praying far too quickly? Could the reason that we don't hear more powerful testimonies like that is because we give up on people? Far too easily. Fifty years, Pastor Jeff. Really? Yeah, really. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that effective? Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, is a condensed version of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer on August 15th. But I suspect some of you said to yourself when we're reading, 
Anybody? That's not the Lord's Prayer exactly I know. That's not exactly the one that I remember in Matthew chapter 6. Why is this version of the Lord's Prayer Matthew in Luke chapter 11 so different from the one in Matthew chapter 6? Ready? I think the answer is quite simple. Matthew 6 is Matthew inspired by the Spirit recording the words that Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. He's in front of a large crowd there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And that's, that's a, a very detailed recording of the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11 is Jesus sharing alone with the 12 disciples. Track with me? And now he's answering them a question they've just asked him. Hey, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? So this isn't a record of Jesus praying on the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus in condensed version recording the essentials of how to pray. Track with me? So this is two different uh, responses. One, when, when he actually gave the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. This is uh, when he's alone with the twelve and he's answering them how they should pray. How we should pray. Okay? So we're going to move through this real quickly. We'll get to this later in August when we get to Matthew chapter 6. But, but let's, let's go through what, what Jesus says to them. This is how you should pray. First of all, he says, Father, remember who you're talking to. And this is better than Father. This is Daddy. This is Abba. This is close. This is personal. This is someone who knows you and cares deeply for you and is for your good. That's the first essential. You need to know who you're talking to. He's your father. He's your daddy. He's your Abba. Verse 2, Father, hallowed be thy name. Don't forget that the person you're talking to in prayer, track with me, this is essential. He's the king and he's the creator of the universe. He's the king of the universe and his name and his reputation is to be honored and respected. Does that make sense? So I remember that your name should be hallowed and honored and respected because you are the king and the ruler of the entire universe. Father, verse 2, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. The kingdom of the Lord God is the place where he rules and he reigns. Tracking with me? The place where Jesus rules and reigns is his kingdom. So where does Jesus rule and reign today on planet Earth? And your answer would be, where, does Jesus, where is Jesus supposed to reign daily on planet Earth today? Are you ready to point? Where, where, does Jesus, where is he supposed to reign? He's supposed to reign in my life, on my heart. He's supposed to sit on the throne. Today, Jesus rules and reigns in the lives and the hearts of his followers, his children. Uh, where will Jesus rule and reign in the future? That's a different answer, isn't it? Go to Revelation chapter 21. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Where's Jesus going to rule and reign in the future? Uh, and, and if you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, anybody? Handel's Messiah? Anybody? 
or there, there's four of us, okay, we know it. Uh, at the end of Handel's Messiah, everybody stands because they sing this song called, anybody? The Alleluia Chorus. And he shall reign forever and ever. And in the, and in the high girls, and he shall, anyway, uh, king of kings, lord of, and in it he goes, forever and ever. And I'm just telling you, we should do that. Andy, I don't know if we can do that, but that'd be kind of cool. Uh, but, but that's what it's saying. Who's going to rule? Jesus, forever and ever. He's on the throne forever, and he's king of kings. And Anyway, it goes on, and anyway. Okay, so that, that's today, in the, it, Jesus rules, is supposed to be ruling here. In the future, it's out of this world, new heaven, new earth, Revelation 21, 22. Verse 3, give us this day our daily bread. This is a hard one for us, because most of us have a refrigerator. How many of you have a freezer, even if it's just the small one? How many of you got a freezer? Balcony, nobody has a freezer. Okay, the, the people without a freezer all sit in the balcony, right? No, no, you got to, okay, so we got food, we got daily bread, thanks Jesus, I'll talk to you if I ever have it. No, we are dependent on our Heavenly Father for life. The truth is we're a lot more dependent on the Lord for everything than we really think is true. But that's why the folks in Haiti get this better, okay? Give us this day our daily Bread. Our sister church in Haiti, they get this because if the Lord doesn't come through and give them daily bread today, they're in deep trouble. But the truth is, if the Lord doesn't come through for us, we need him to survive today. Okay? So give us this day our daily bread. Verse 3, verse 4, ready? Forgive us our, what is it? Sins, plural, plural. Talked about this last week. Moment of salvation. The moment we say yes to Jesus by faith, we are declared righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All of our sin, past, present, future, is placed under the shed blood of Christ. Is that not glorious? Okay, okay. Now, now here's the problem. We still live in a sinful, fallen world. So it's not too long after we say yes to Jesus, we take our first tumble into sin. So, uh-oh, what's going to have to happen? We're going to have to get our sins forgiven. Otherwise, there's this wall between us and, and Jesus, and it's called sin. How do we remove that wall? Anybody? I do the U-turn. I'm not laying in the manure anymore. I'm running to the cross, and I'm going to call it what it is. What, what is it? It's sin. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, and I'm going to confess that is sin. I'm going to write the check of confession the account's already marked paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb. I'm going to mark, or write that check of confession, and Lord, wash and cleanse and get me back in right relationship with you. So I'll be righteous in my relationship, right? And the prayer of a person in right relationship with Jesus, we said this last week, is what? Powerful and what? Effective. So you want powerful, effective prayers? You better get that down, verse Four, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Verse four, uh, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Really? <laughs> really? That's a part of this? Yeah, it really is. Jesus, you forgave me. How much did Jesus forgive you? All, all of my sin, past, present, future. And when I do the U-turn and I confess, how much does he wash and cleanse me of? Get me back 
all of it. So, so now he's saying, I want you to pass on what I've given you. At core, salvation is forgiveness. And now we've been forgiven and we're called, forgive those who've sinned against us. Lord, give me the power, give me the courage, give me the will to forgive the people who've harmed me, stepped on me, made my life miserable. And I'm pretty sure they meant to do it, and I'm pretty sure they're going to do it again. Again, we're called to forgive others. Lord, help me to pass that forgiveness on. And number seven, and lead us not into temptation. <laughs> Lord, we live in a dark and a sinful world. Don't we live in a dark and sinful world? Can I get an amen? I know that's, uh, that's not like happy amen, but it's, it's true. Amen, it's true. Uh, so I've got this dark, sinful world I live in. And Myron, I don't know about you, but this side of heaven, I still got this old, sinful, selfish Jeff going on, right? Uh, old, sinful, selfish Myron. And I could just keep going around, right, Jerry? I, I could go around. Uh, Jose, yep, that's true for you. Uh, it's true for all of us. Old, sinful, selfish me. So I got this old, sinful, selfish world, and now I'm in this old, sinful, selfish world, and now I just got to say every day, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Matter of fact, Lord, would you help me navigate uh, this sinful, selfish world? I don't want to keep falling or jumping into sin. Lord, I want to be victorious. I want to shine bright for you. So, Lord, help me to navigate the temptations that come my way. And especially, Lord, help me to navigate the temptations that I'm prone to fall into and jump into. Okay? So let's just go real fast. What are the seven elements that are foundational for prayer? That's what he's saying here. These are the basics. Get this as your foundation. And here we go. There's seven of them. Uh, you're my heavenly Father, and you're out for my good. And I know that. Father. I must remember who you are. Hallowed be your name. You're awesome. You're, you're the king of the cosmos. And, and I'm going to protect your name. Your kingdom should rule and reign in my life today. And, and by the way, I'm totally dependent on you uh, for, for my daily needs. Uh, meet my needs today. Uh, I need to stay in right relationship with you today, Lord. Show me sin. And as soon as I see sin, I'm not going to lay there any longer. I'm going to get up, do the U-turn, and I'm going to go and get clean, write the check of confession, and get back right with you. Um, give me the strength, Lord, today to forgive others who sin against me. Lord, Lord, give me the courage to let them off my hook. I'll leave them with you, but... Give me the courage to not hold grudges and get bitter and angry and hateful. And finally, Lord, help me to shine bright for you. Help me to navigate this sinful world, navigate old sinful selfish Jeff, so that I can really shine bright for you today. Jesus says to the twelve, Jesus says to us here at Walloon Church, this is the basic foundation for daily prayer. Okay? That's where you begin. You've got to get those seven down. Got to understand them. Make that the foundation, the floor of your house. And then he goes on and heads in what I think is kind of a unique direction. Look at verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, uh, and you go to him at midnight and say, Hey, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Uh, 
a friend of mine on his journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Okay, you, you understand there was no Holiday Inn Express, right? You, you, don't, you get that, right? There's no Airbnb uh, going on back in biblical times. And suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't, don't bother me. I've already locked the door. I've already blown out the lamp and my children and I are in bed. Well, what's that all about? Well, well most people who were of... Uh, uh, average means, biblical time, you were fortunate to have a house. It usually was a one-room house. So what he's saying is, if I get up, if I find you bread, if I have any left, if I turn the lamp on, everybody's going to wake up. All my kids, my wife, we're all going to have to get up to get you some bread. Uh, verse 8, I'll tell you that even though he will not get up and give you the bread because you're, oh, that's my friend. <laughs> No, I'm going back to sleep. Yet because of your shameless audacity, uh, he will get up and give you as much as you need. You also know they didn't have 24-hour supermarkets. You got that, right? They didn't have modern refrigeration or freezers. Daily bread was a fact of life. You know, you, you got enough for today, and tomorrow you'll worry about your daily bread tomorrow. Well, apparently a friend has come on a long-distance journey, and normally, if you were of average means, you couldn't afford to stay at an inn. You had to stay with people you knew. You had to stay with friends and family. So they're coming to you, and they've shown up unexpectedly. Maybe they got delayed, and now they're here, and they haven't eaten all day long. Why not? Because there are no subway shops, right? You know that. There's no McDonald's. Pick your favorite. There, there's no running to the border back in biblical times. Uh, so they, they bang on your door, wake you up. Oh, you're late. Okay, come on in. We're starving. We haven't eaten all day long. Uh, we, ate, we don't have any bread left. We don't have any food. So uh, you're going to have to go to the neighbor. Now, in parables... Usually, one person represents God, and normally in parables, one of the folks here represents us. So let me ask you a question. In this parable, the neighbor who needs bread represents who? Uh, that would be us, okay? And the sleepy neighbor who's a little grumpy represents who? Oh, that's God. <laughs> yeah, I know some of you are afraid. Can I say God's grumpy? Yeah, yeah, he's kind of saying he's a little grumpy. He doesn't really want to get up and get out of bed. So, what's Jesus saying here? Let's just think this through. Get the seven foundational principles down, okay? And then make sure you add, there's this shameless audacity that you should add to your praying. There's this daring determination. I know they're not going to be happy. They have a baby. You're going to wake the baby up. That baby might be up crying the rest of the night, but... But there's this daring determination that I'm willing to risk. Uh, I, I'm willing to be bold and persistent. Normally, I wouldn't want to wake up my neighbors, but, but this is important. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you come to me in prayer, be bold. Be daring. Be shamelessly audacious. That's kind of a cool word, isn't it? Shamelessly audacious. You want to say that with me? It's kind of fun to say. Shamelessly audacious. Yeah, you'll try to work that into a conversation sometime this week, okay? Yeah, but, but the point is, 
Well, when you're talking to me, it's okay. Come boldly, come courageously, come with some daring, and I want you to bang on my door in heaven and just keep banging. I like that. Isn't that wild? I, I like it. You know, I know your neighbors might think you're a little strange, and that's okay. Be bold and daring when you're praying about a situation that's heavy on your heart. Just, just go for it. That's how I want you to pray. Remember, he's answering the question, teach us to pray. So now that, that's what he says. Add, add some bold, daring, shameless audaciousness to your praying. Hold your spot there or, and turn to Luke 18, or if you've got your phone, locate Luke chapter 18. Uh, we're going to go with verse 1 to begin. Uh, this is a different parable, obviously, but I think it adds nicely to uh, what we're talking about here. Uh, Luke 18.1 is the key. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, and we get a little extra help, because now we know exactly why he tells them this parable. Uh, he tells them this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He tells them this parable, why? So we'll know we should always pray and not give up. Here we go. Here's the parable. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. <laughs> but finally the judge said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. She's wearing me down. I'm, I'm weary of her. I don't want another voicemail. I don't want another text. I don't want another email. I'm going to give her justice. I'm going to listen to her request so she'll go away. <laughs> By the way, just application. That principle works in a lot of life, just so you know, you know. You could say squeaky wheel gets the oil. Just make sure you can squeak and shine brightly for Jesus. But if you can do it with love and grace, I'm just telling you, that principle works in other areas. Okay, um, in, in verse 8, uh, excuse me, 7 is the key. And, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Uh, I'm going to give her justice. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night, will he just keep putting them off? That's huge. He says here, okay, and again, who, who, who represents us? It's the persistent, won't give up. I'm just going to keep going and going and going in prayer. And who represents God here? It, it's the unjust judge. That, that's God here. And, and now you got this widow, and she's persistent and relentless and fearless. And I don't care how long i got to keep bothering the judge, I'm going to keep banging on his door until I get justice. How much more, look at verse 7, how much more will our loving Heavenly Father respond to us, his chosen children, who, like the widow, refuse to quit and give up? If, 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 if even this judge will respond, imagine how much quicker 
and more willing is our loving Heavenly Father if we as his children refuse to quit and give up on asking the Lord something that's heavy on our heart. We'll say it again. I wonder if the reason we don't see more powerful, effective answers to our prayers is because we quit way too quickly. We give up far too easily. Oh, I don't want to keep repeating myself. And the Lord says, no, no, I'm the judge, and I like it when you keep talking. I like it when you keep coming back to me. Matter of fact, over time, that will deepen our relationship. Our intimacy will grow as you just keep coming in faith and asking and seeking and knocking at my door. So let's just do a quick recap as you go back to Luke chapter 11. Uh, we want to finish off that section. A uh, quick recap. Jesus says, when you're praying, be like that bold, daring neighbor. Shameless, audacious. It's midnight. Just keep banging on the neighbor's door till you get some bread. He, he wants us to pray that way. Be like the persistent widow who refuses to quit coming before the judge. I'm not going to quit until he hears me and gives me an answer. Verse 9, Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Something you need to understand. Can't see it in the English very well. Ask, continuous verb, and keep on asking. Make sense? Seek, continuous verb, and just keep on seeking. Knock, continuous verb, and keep on knocking. Understand? So the idea is you ask and ask and ask. You seek and you seek and you seek some more. You knock and you knock and you just keep knocking at God's door. Do you understand now the power of that daughter who was praying for her mother's salvation for 50 years plus? That's powerful. Asking, Lord, would you do what only you can do? Bring new life, salvation to my mom's life. Seeking what only God had the answer for. How was the Lord going to open up her heart? He was going to bring them back together in the last months of her life. And now suddenly she's humbled and she's really hungry to hear. Knocking loudly, Lord, would you open the door to my mom's heart? And sure enough, he did just that. And that relationship just gets stronger. And notice, again, strange, but I'm telling you, it's interesting. Verse 11, here's how he closes. You ask me how, how, how to pray, here we go. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? We're going to stop right there for a moment. Okay? Um, think about that. Uh, I, I know you're hungry, son, uh, and, and I know you'd like some fish to eat, um, but instead, I, I think I'll, I'll give you a, a cotton mouth, because I think, and, and some of you just think about, if I toss this out in the crowd, some of you just go crazy, uh, and I won't do that, okay, just so you can relax, uh, but, but 
um, I'm just going to, I think it'll be fun uh, while my child sleeps at night uh, to just put a water moccasin at the bottom of the bed and see what happens. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, we'll put it on YouTube. Won't that be great? Uh, you know, or, or, or there's lots of different rattlesnakes in the United States. And you're thinking, no, that wouldn't be funny. I wouldn't laugh. Uh, probably we'd have to call the police. Uh, that would be called attempted murder, or perhaps murder if the snake gets its way with my child. You would never do that. You would never do that as a parent. You would never do that as, as a good father. Continue on. Or if uh, your child asks for an egg, I think instead of giving them an egg, I think I'm going to give them a scorpion. Uh, I think I'm going to give them an Arizona bark scorpion. That's the most poisonous scorpion um, in the United States. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Uh, put that on his little high chair, you know, that, that little place, you know, on a little plastic dish and hand him the Arizona bark scorpion. Would your wife think that's funny, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, won't, we won't go where that would take you, but it would not be a happy place. Uh, Here's verse 13. Here's the key. If you then, though you're evil, talking about us, if us evil fathers, if us fallen, sinful, selfish parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's going to give us his spirit. He's going to give us good gifts. Okay? A good human father would never intentionally give deadly gifts. To his children. And our Heavenly Father, who we're talking to again and again in prayer, He knows how to give the best gifts to His children in Christ. So let's review. Here's what Jesus says. First of all, get the seven foundations down. Okay? Then add to that the fact He's not a grumpy neighbor reluctant to get out of bed. Matter of fact, He's our Abba Father ready to respond to our continued knocking. You've got to know that. got to believe that. He's not a grumpy neighbor. Our Lord is not an unjust judge that we have to wear down. We serve a daddy who's eager and ready to respond to our requests. And he's not an evil father who's anxious and excited to give us dangerous and deadly gifts. Track with me. Instead, we're talking to our Heavenly Father who's eager to respond and give us the best gifts. Every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of love, James says. Jesus is not irritated and frustrated when you keep on banging on his door. I know some of you are thinking, well, that would frustrate me. Are you ready for this? You're not Jesus, <laughs> nor am I. He's okay if we just keep bringing the same issue over and over, even for years, even for decades. He likes it. Matter of fact, he's instructing us. That's how you should pray. One little caveat, please until the answer is clear. <laughs> okay? So once the Lord then responds to our knocking and our asking and our seeking, and now he makes himself clear, here is the answer, then you can 
take your hands off and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Okay? So until he answers, I'm going to be bold and persistent and unseeking. I'm going to keep on asking and seeking and knocking, Lord, until I hear clearly from you. I close with a true story. Watched it up close. For 25 years, someone prayed for her relationship with her brother, and it was bad, and it was separation, and prayed for restoration and reuniting and and all sorts of good things to happen in relationship with her brother. Kept asking and seeking and knocking, and I'm going to say it one more time, 25 years. Um, And here's the unexpected part. You know, you're asking, and you want it to be like that Hallmark card. This just, just comes. But I need you to know it took cancer and stem cells and a really tough situation to bring about restoration and reunion. And, and when you hear that, you're saying, well, that's not exactly what I was asking for. I, I wanted reunion and restoration. And the Lord says, yep, um, but I'm going to respond to your request, you're knocking and seeking and asking, but it's going to be a little different than what you were expecting. But I can tell you today, that relationship is amazing. In due time, what was due time here? 25 years. He answered powerfully. (laughs) Much different than was asked or imagined, but a clear and powerful, effective answer. I wonder, I wonder if the reason we don't get more powerful, effective answers to our prayer is because we quit way too quickly. We give up far too easily. Let's pray. Lord, we pause just for a moment now, and we'd ask, are there situations that are heavy on our hearts, that perhaps we've quit praying about, we've given up, we've assumed the answer was no. If there's a situation like that, Lord, would you make it clear? So I'd ask, anyone say, you know, I prayed for a long time, kept asking and seeking and knocking, and I did that faithfully. But I got worn down, and I got discouraged, and the truth is, I'm not doing that almost never anymore. Here's my question. Could the Lord be saying to you, it's time to get back at that? (laughs) I want you, when you're praying, to hang in there long-term until I respond. By God's grace, I'm going to get bold and persistent and shamelessly audacious. And I'm going to keep bringing that, that thing that's heavy on my heart before you. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up until there's a clear answer from you, Lord. Anybody say... Lord, see my hand. Just just want you to know, you're talking to me right now. There's a situation heavy on my heart, and 
by your grace, I'm going to hang in there. Anybody? Just lift up your hands. Good for you to say, hey, Lord, I've heard you. <laughs> Anyone else? Anybody in the balcony? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for teaching your disciples how to pray. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us, your followers in 2017, how to pray. Lord, my prayer is that you'd make us hungry and thirsty and passionate to pray and talk with you and hang in there and enjoy the communion and enjoy that relationship with you. It's in Jesus' mighty, powerful, magnificent name we pray every one of these things. Amen.